When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sophie Scott. And I'm James Gill. Our mission is to make wellness accessible to everyone. We'll be chatting with our favourite people. Sharing uplifting news stories. And delivering tips and tricks. To bring balance to your lives. Hello, welcome to the Balance Podcast. I'm James Gill. Uh, back once again with the Renegade Master is our editor, guru, founder, my boss, uh, Sophie Scott. Uh, Sophie, thank you very much for returning. It is my pleasure. Hello, James. Hello um, to all of our listeners. I do hope you've been enjoying our podcast so far. Um, I'm sorry I haven't been able to join you very much as of yet, but hopefully that will be set to change. I'd like to share some uh, listener feedback, Sophie. Please. Uh, one listener said it's much better when it's you and Sophie doing the, doing the introductions. Do you want to know who that listener was? Your wife? It was my wife. <laughs> my actual wife. Um, so how, how has everything been since you were last on? Things have been good. Things have been busy. Our next issue is out on the streets in London on May the 13th. That's the second Monday of every month when we do our hand distribution. Um, but obviously, you can find all of our content as ever online, balance.media and at balance.ldn. Um, yeah, and I've been having lots of kind of inspiring and, and interesting conversations um, at the moment. I think one of the one of my aims is to try and speak to people with as diverse opinions as possible. I realise um, that actually all of my friends are very much of the same mindset. Um and it's interesting because I know that we've got a conversation coming up um, about Brexit. This is unbelievable. Yeah. This is this is this teases up so perfectly. Good. Uh, into this week's guest because it's Matt Ford, uh, a political advisor turned comedian, and we're, this episode is all about Brexit. Now, before you puff out your cheeks and think I'm sick of hearing about Brexit, that's the whole point of this episode. So this is trying to uh, salve the uh, the mental health of the nation because. More and more of us, and I certainly speak for myself, uh, are just filled with despair and anxiety when it comes to Brexit. So what Matt is doing is using his considerable considerable expertise to find hope in what some people feel may be a hopeless situation. So it's a very optimistic, very positive chat. So if you are frazzled by Brexit, uh, and I, th- I think that's a lot of us, then this episode is for you. And Matt is uh, so intelligent, he's knowledge of politics um i'm so envious of it i love movies and i know sophie love movies he talks about politicians in the way that sophie and i would talk about our favorite actors so you're in for a treat if you're not massively clued up on politics or even if you are 
uh, Matt makes for such an illuminating guest. Yeah, I can't wait to, to listen to this one because undoubtedly it is affecting everybody's anxiety levels. Um, I, I, I can just feel it, this kind of collective unconscious in terms of, you know, where are we heading, what's going on. And that does, of course, have its effect in kind of day-to-day life. That's right. Um, so, yeah, I've been making kind of very conscious decision to be speaking to people and kind of actually befriending people who may not be from similar backgrounds or have similar personal views to myself. And I realise just how challenging it is often to... Um, to often really like somebody or even give yourself an opportunity to like somebody who has such different um, points of view to yourself. But that's, I suppose, ultimately the end goal, isn't it? To try and find um, this shared humanity, this shared um, consciousness that, we all, that we've all got and to try and tap into... Um, to the wider humanity. I think Extinction Rebellion's been fascinating. Yes, it has. Um, to, to watch that, but perhaps this isn't the right... A, a policeman friend of mine has found himself appearing on television a lot more than really? he was expecting. Yes. He's been on TV uh, more in the last few days than perhaps even Moira Stewart has managed in the last 30 years. <laughs> so uh, I've nearly said his name and I mustn't. But yeah, no, it's, it's been great. And uh, also, as we touch on in this episode... Opening your mind is a, a very important thing. Yeah, and we and we mustn't be afraid to disagree. And actually, um, you know, change will always offer um, different opinions. Will always offer different stimuli, and um, it's just, I suppose, about not shutting ourselves off from that. Uh, we'll move on to good news now. Uh, well, talking of good news, which kind of links into our previous conversation, I think nowhere can um, be an echo chamber. Um, quite as much as social media. I mean, you know, according to me and my <laughs> friends, I wouldn't have been able to predict anything that has happened over the last couple of years. So um, very interesting news that actually um, the Information Commissioner's Office has put together um, some practices that help, that are set to help young people when it comes to internet usage, which actually involves the removing of the like button from Facebook for younger people. I mean, I think that this is a tremendous um, idea. I actually don't think it should just be for younger people. I think um, there are quite a few adults I know who would benefit, myself probably included. I I was going to say you're sitting next to one, I think. (laughs) Because a lot of us are getting our self-esteem now. I mean, my cheeks are flushing as I admit this. From social media, how many likes are we getting? How many how many retweets? How many mm. share? I mean, it's, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Absolutely, um, it can be very very damaging um, to you know somebody who you know is quite insecure, maybe has a sort of more fragile sense of themselves. I mean, we're adult. I mean, I'm I'm forty one in June. Sophie no. forty one in June. Sophie's. 21, twenty-one. Yes, in June. Um, but you know, if we feel like that, imagine if you're. An eleven-year-old. I mean, it's heartbreaking. Absolutely. You know, who are, who are trying to find validation through going on Facebook. So, this good news story that that we're running in the May issue. I mean, it's you know, it's, I know it's good to look at things from a different from different angles. But this one, to me, it sort of feels like a no-brainer. I don't think there's any parent in the land who would really disagree with this proposal. Absolutely. There's an, there's another. Um, well, I don't know, it doesn't sound like good news, it's actually heartbreaking um, that it's been reported that some families in England are so poverty-stricken that schoolgirls have had to resort to using toilet roll or newspaper as a substitute for sanitary products. I mean, when I read that, that just filled me with absolute 
horror, actually. Heartbreaking. So I'm responsible for the good news section, so if you're listening thinking, that is not a good news story, good news comes in the form of, of the government who, who have stepped up. Uh, and what are they doing, James? They are uh, working with more than 20,000 primary schools. So earlier in the year, they had reached out to secondary schools, and now that is being extended to primary schools. So To provide... To provide sanitary yeah. uh, towels for these for these children, it's heartbreaking. I mean, it's not, obviously not good news in that it's heartbreaking in that how on earth did it get to this? Um, but it is good news in that at least something is being done. Uh, Matt Ford, thank you very much for your time. Very grateful, pleasure. So, what's the deal at the moment? What, uh, what where are you at on the tour? So, I'm probably two thirds of the way through the tour, and it keeps extending because. Uh, for listeners of yours that aren't aware, I do political comedy and um, we haven't left the European Union yet. So just as Article 50 has been extended, so has my tour. And um, we just put on Saturday night at the Bloomsbury Theatre, which is very exciting, on the 25th of May. 25th of May. Ten- Saturday 25th of May. It's great to get that plug in straight away. I mean, that is... <laughs> that is unbelievable. Sorry, mate. No, no, it's good, it's good. It's good. Um... Now, I know that you get asked this question all the time, and the fact that I'm not stopping myself um, makes me sad. Is this great for you, what's going on at the moment? In one way, uh, people are more interested in politics now than at any time I can remember in my comedy career. So in that way, it's good. And there's just lots of red meat around. There's lots of material. There's lots of... um, Disagreement that you know these are big affairs. You know Brexit is a massive crisis, really, in so many ways. So there's just so much to talk about, and the public are more into it. So in that regard, it's a great time to be a political comedian who thinks Brexit's a bad idea. Equally, that is slightly tempered by the fact that I don't agree with Brexit, and I think it's a really bad thing. And I'm someone who you know for many years worked for the Labour Party and, and genuinely think that the world is unequal and unfair in many ways and that needs rectifying uh, so in one way I'm in total despair because this is going to really harm a lot of people so um, <laughs> it's like you two minds about it you know um, I, I would rather it wasn't happening is there any the way out now? oh there's always a way out yeah this is the thing is that we realise about politics is there are rules but the rules can change and if enough people want the rules to change, they change. And, um, for instance, if the leader of the Labour Party, you know, whenever this is broadcast, at the moment, Jeremy Corbyn still isn't really being fully throated in being anti-Brexit. Imagine if for the last year he had been. I just think the debate would be completely different. And Parliament, just the other night, so, I mean, it's almost pointless talking about these things because I know this is going to be broadcast at a later date, but... Um, Merry Christmas, listeners. <laughs> Um, is um, has voted to basically stop a no deal Brexit. So already Article Fifty has been extended. Already we're not leaving when we should have left. Whenever things don't happen, the, the, obviously the opportunity for something else to happen is there. And things are so finely balanced. Parliament can't make up its mind. There are a lot of people out there um, that think a referendum is the only way to to resolve the maths of it, let alone the issue. So. It's always, and even if we do, let's say by the time this goes out, we've left, or we leave in a couple of weeks, the issue's not over. The fight's still there. There'll still be people that say, well, at some point we want to rejoin. So the cause is always alive. And for, you know, for better or for worse, that should give people some hope if they don't like what's happening now. It's not as one thing I wanted to talk about was hope, because you'd 
helps with one of our recent good news pieces. Yes. Do you please tell me there is hope? Oh, mate, there's hope everywhere. I just did the, with the, the, the reader can't see me nearly crying. <laughs> I, I, with, I promise, I, I did like pray, pray hands as I asked my question. <laughs> there's hope in so many areas. So there's hope in Parliament. There are some excellent MPs who, and, and regardless of Brexit, actually, I just think there are some great MPs with huge talent and good instincts on all sides of the house. So um, Anna Soubry, Hilary Benn, Stephen Gethins, you know, and. Uh, you know, Vince Cable still can do a job, even though he's going as leader of the Lib Dems. There's still good people around with good ideas, whether they're left-wing or right-wing or whatever. So there's still a load of talent in Parliament. Yep. Um, so that's a source of hope. I think the main source of hope is that the vast majority of the British people are, are decent people. Like, that's a real source of hope. So whatever happens, yes, I think politics has got more angry and the tone of it has got more angry, but equally at the same time... Most people can laugh at themselves. Yeah. Most people, whether they identify as leave or remain, aren't foaming at the mouth about it. They're either annoyed or hopeful sure. or whatever. But I just still think most people are decent. Most people can laugh at themselves. And in the end, that's it, it's the public that will save you. So in that way, I think there's hope there. How do you, What's heartbreaking is the division. And it, it does seem more toxic than it used to be. So how on earth do you... Um, how do you resolve that? How do you unify the people? In the end, well, the thing is, Britain's always been divided. So, you know, the Thatcher era was hugely divided. Do you think it's been as divided as it is right now, though? I, well, what I think does, is... Does, does social media make it worse? That's one of the elements of it. Yeah. And it gives a platform. You know, before, people were just screaming that stuff at their telly. Now it's got a platform. So true. And people can meet those other people that were screaming at their telly, and they can all coalesce mm. online. Mm. So whereas before they might have just been alone, now they're part of these huge online communities. Equally, you can't let it skew your opinion of society as a whole, or indeed those people. So, I get abused from time to time, and sometimes when you say, <laughs> sometimes when you actually engage the people, they will back down a little bit. So, even people who are saying angry things aren't necessarily angry all the time, and aren't necessarily beyond being brought back to a more reasonable position. Um, so, uh, I've forgotten the question now. Where? What, what was the question about? It was about um, in terms of uh, unifying the nation? Yes. So, so. We'd always be divided along certain lines, whether it's class, gender, left or right, pro-European or not. And, you know, the poll tax was hugely divisive, the Iraq war was hugely divisive. Now, I do think that this debate is completely different to those. Yeah. I think it, because people identify with it more about their own values, and I think it runs deeper than than previous political divisions in, in Britain. So it is different in that way. Um but it's just about... My main fear is about the tone of it. I disagree with Brexit, but I understand why people wanted it. I understand that Leave won. I get all that. But it's the language around treachery and yeah. sabotage and things like that I think is really unhelpful. So that's what I worry about. I think the tone of it is what concerns me the most. Why can't you just disagree with someone and not presume they're evil? Now... We talked to Richard Wiseman, who's a... Uh, a wise man. He quite, he quite literally is a wise man. He made the point that in the 60s, America was divided, and it, it took a, a Kennedy and the space race to bring everyone together. Yeah, yeah. Is there anyone in the British political landscape who, you know, if you had a fiver in your wallet and you were going to put it on the book, is to secretly be that next Kennedy that our listeners probably might not know that person? Is there anyone you think that could bring, could, that could be our, our next hope? I think 
for me it would always be on the you know for, my instinct would always be to look to the Labour Party even though I profoundly disagree with the current leadership I think if you look at someone like Peter Kyle or Hilary Benn or Yvette Cooper yep. Alison McGovern there are hugely talented people who in ordinary political times would be you know, runners and riders for leadership, if not in leadership now. But the Labour Party is in a particular place where the rules don't allow someone like that to win currently. So they'd be the sort of people. They're your Kennedys. They're your unifiers. And their natural instinct is to unify. Um, is Justine Greening a unifier? Absolutely she is, yeah. You know, she's going to divide people on some issues. I mean, this is the thing is that even when you're relatively unified, you're still divided on certain things. And that's fine. You can't all agree on everything. Mm, mm-hmm. So, and I don't think people expect you to. But it is just on, it's about the, I think it's more the way that people talk to each other is the main thing. I do wish that people, more people saw Britain's patriotic values as being part of the European Union. Um, That's a shame. Maybe that changes, I don't know. But I just think in general, whether we're in or whether we're out, the way we conduct politics, the way we think about people we disagree with, has to completely change. And actually, I think most people are perfectly fine with it. You are talking about a segment, but they're a powerful and and vocal segment that enjoy denigrating opposition and they love a row. And whether that's the hard edges of the Corbynista left or whether it's the UKIP elements and the Leave.eu parts of the Brexit movement, there was a period of time, not that long ago, where politics was civil. Yeah. It had its disagreements, it was divided. But it wasn't like this. No. So there's, you know, that that I think that will change. I think there'll be. I think there will be. A, I think there will be a total. I think there'll be a, an organised movement against this sort of behaviour. And I think the danger for people who lose their head on social media is that those tweets are out there forever, particularly of prominent people, because they'll all be screen grabbed. And I think a lot of people will have defended quite nasty behaviour on their own side. And think of how the Me Too movement has changed people's. Um, likelihood of speaking out rightly yeah yeah I think when you look at and I always think of obviously the Labour Party specifically but the things that have gone on with anti-Semitism the people that have defended because they're on their own side I think there will be a societal reaction against that and people who've defended some pretty nasty individuals will will kind of realise what was I doing sure and will be forced to think again at the very least so I just think, on the whole, most people are reasonable. I think it's it, it, within human nature to want to get on. That's not to say that conflict isn't part of human nature, because sadly, you have to conclude from history, it is. But I, I just think most people would rather not agree, necessarily agree with each other, but uh, disagree in a in a in a way that is civil. You said there were ho- there was hope in the individual MPs, which which is great. In, in what other ways? Because it, it sounded like you were going to... There might have been a couple of others. There's individual MPs. There's the public at large, which is the, the greatest source of hope. Yes. Um, there is... I think just... You know, I think they're the main pillars. Are, are, are the, the, There is talent in Parliament and within the parties that currently isn't rising to leadership positions. And if it doesn't, then maybe those parties split because that talent doesn't just go nowhere. There is hope in... Uh, I think society's the biggest hope is that most people are reasonable people. See, you know, you, we're both optimists. Yes. We think that tomorrow's going to be fine. But the longer this all goes on... Yeah. It is hard not to let your mental health get drained. I think... Yeah, I think yeah. I, I hopefully speak on behalf of a lot of people listening to this that it is quite draining. It's exhausting. Is there, is there any... Is there any way out of that? Uh, not in the short term, no, no. I mean, this row's going to go on for a very long time, whenever we leave, if we leave. 
the, the issue of Brexit and our relationship with Europe is going to... And yeah, you know, it already has dominated so much of recent British political history. In fact, you know, not so recent as well. So that issue doesn't go away. And um, you can still be an optimist in difficult times. It doesn't mean that you... You're not you're not an optimist in the sense that you're um, ignorant and uh, blocking the facts out. You're just in general, you think, and I would say this of my own optimism, that... Um, Actually, I feel very negative about the way things are going. I see that they're going to get worse, but I'm op- broadly optimistic in the long run. <laughs> I sure. is, and almost just out of faith in human nature rather than any any great evidence. Um, so for transparency for our, our listeners, so I do a lot of TV warm-up work. When I'm you're not, very good at when it. I'm not, stop it. When I'm not at balance. And one of my all-time favourite experiences will always be working on, on Spun with, with Matt, which was... Uh, a hit show for Dave, and so I did pretty much all of my learning in terms of politics by by working on that show. No but way, absolutely. Every every week, I would stand with my mouth open, just listening to you interview the politician or whoever the guest yeah. was. I just found the whole experience utterly educational. Oh man, well that means a great deal. I had no idea. But the the, the reason why I said Justine Greening is because if I was to pick, yes, spoiler, I'm, I'm about to say Justine Greening. If I was to pick. <laughs> Terrible poker player. <laughs> um, if I speak one person who who really hit hit me hard, it's like a like a bullseye to my yeah. to my soul. It, it was Justine Greening. Yes. Um, could you say a bit about her for, for our listeners who? Because everything about her is a contradiction, as you said to her face. Yeah. She's from York, she's from Barnsley. Yeah. She's of mining stock. Yeah, yeah. Her family are staunch yeah, Labour, yeah, yeah, yeah. and yet she's. What I would consider one of the shining lights of the future of the Conservative yes. Party. Um, what's the future like for her? Because, I mean, I, I know about 1% of politics compared to you, but I just felt she had that special quality. She does have that special quality. And I think what's really exciting about and what I enjoy most, and, and obviously on that show and on the podcast that I do, so I've interviewed a lot of politicians over the last few years, I always find it more exciting talking to people that I disagree with. And I, and I found it most exciting listening to those people. Exactly. Because I often disagreed with them, but my God, they put a great, they yeah. put a great argument and, together. And, well, and you ask about where the hope is. That's the hope. Where you actually go, you know what, I would never vote for them. Or I might not vote for them. But I really like them. And they've said something really interesting. And it's made me think about what I believe. And it's tested what I think, and either then I've changed my mind, or it's reinforced what I think because I've tested it against that new standard. So it's just a good thing to do. And I just get such a thrill from talking to people I disagree with, because I already know what I think. So talking to people I agree with, you get the warm feeling of sitting opposite someone that sure. validates your worldview. Yeah. But it's, it's far, I think, more of a thrill to sit down with someone and go, why do you think that? And rather than just thinking, oh, they're thick or wrong or bad, you go, oh, right, so they... I love listening to it from the other side. Yeah. Oh, so I never thought go, this that. is great. And it's just so much more... I find it more stimulating. I feel when I come away sometimes having interviewed conservatives, yep. really invigorated, and I just feel like I've seen the world in a different way. Because it's... <laughs> they're not doing it for a laugh. They're not doing it to like troll the left, and they're not because they're genuinely... baddies. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> which is which I think is a common left misconception yes. that if you vote conservative, you're automatically evil or you're yeah. automatically wrong. Which is one of the main reasons we're in this mess in terms of the divide at the moment. That's right. Because it's this it's this feeling of 
we're right, you're an idiot, and 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 vice versa. Yeah, and you're not engaging with no. other people. Um, on top of that, obviously, you, you make the point about her being from mining stock and all the rest of it, and that being a contradiction. That's a contradiction on the face of it. Um, she knows it's not, and of course, uh, and obviously, we both know it's not. Yeah. And, and that what it's just a provocative way of getting into an interview with someone like that, because actually, loads of people from those backgrounds vote Conservative. Absolutely. It's not actually uncommon for people up north to, to be Tories. Yep. Um, so it's just a provocative way of getting her to kind of... Um, it's a shorthand way of... It, absolutely, and it kind of gets the audience into going, actually, this just makes her interesting, and of course it does, uh, for a number of reasons. Um, so she's a great hope, because what I love about... what I, One of my great... Th- and this is almost just like... This is where I'm like a football fan about politics, is I just love seeing great goals, right? So I don't care whether it's Derby or Leeds, but if it's a really good goal, you go, oh, man. Or a great bit of skill. What a great goal. Yeah. And there's nothing better than watching the opposing fans applauding oh, an amazing goal that's that, being scored against them. We've all seen that. It's, it's beautiful. So just as that, in politics, one of the thrills I really get is I love it when someone on the left talks about something that is seen as a right-wing issue with real conviction, and I love it the same the other way around. Sure. So when you get people like Justine Greening who can talk about education or... Uh, Healthcare. Now, obviously, they would say these are conservative issues, right? And they'd be right. Um, but they're seen by the public as exclusively on the left. And just the same as defence and crime, and perhaps to some extent the economy are seen as classic Tory issues. I love seeing people do the kind of what, what feels counterintuitive to the outside. I just think that is so thrilling. And when you see Justine Greening, you hear her talk about education with so much passion and conviction and heart and that's soul. Right, yeah. And that's such a big... That's Actually, I think the point of the time is... That, I tell you, that's where the hope really comes from, is for so long, the people who wanted to leave the European Union were the ones who were animated because they were the only ones who cared. Most people that have had a view on it, but they weren't animated about it. They weren't marching. Yeah. What has happened is this era has forced the people around the middle who just kind of get on with their lives um, and, and don't really engage in politics. It's forced, for want of a better phrase, just kind of everyday sensible folk to go, actually, if I don't get involved in certain campaigns, the things I do care are at risk. And I would say, having worked in politics, those things are always at risk. The argument is never won. A new generation will not learn from your mistakes and your successes. They will repeat the damage. You have to keep going with these things. Is that what it's done is made people realise... So, you know, the, the right of the Labour Party and the left of the Tory Party have been forced to wake up to the fact that those values are under threat and they have to do something about it. And the public has slightly woken up. So that is where the great hope comes from. Um, so when you get people like Justine Green who talk can talk with heart and soul and stuff like that, I think one of the huge cultural problems that politics had was and towards the end of the Blair era, that sort of post-New Labour period, politicians of both parties, so you'd go from maybe sort of David Cameron and George Osborne on the right yep. over to uh, you know Vet Cooper and Ed Balls and people like that on the left, there was a, there was a sense that there was this kind of managerial class of politicians that all kind of looked and dressed the same way and all sounded the same way and did that weird finger point where they don't point their That's finger, right, they point yeah. with their thumb. Yeah, yeah. This cultural mush. That was deeply unfair as an analysis of those people, but nevertheless the perception was that they all kind of feel the same, they don't really say what they think. You know, and that's because politics is nuanced, and a lot of those people realised it, and there aren't simple answers a lot of the time, but nevertheless, it created, I think, a cultural disconnection with the public, so that people who come along and say, 
for instance, like Jeremy Corbyn does, this is really simple, you nationalise it. Or like UKIP do, we just leave the European Union. Or like the SNP do, you just leave the UK. Anyone providing simple answers all of a sudden becomes hugely attractive because it's easier to understand. And they're talking with a real conviction because they've cared about this for so long. It's their one specialist subject. They know it inside out, some of them, and they've got every argument or the big arguments they feel covered. And they've got their slogans that have been polishing for years. And they're up against people going, well, actually, it's more complicated than that. And actually, you know, you can't quite do it. And that's harder to, in a campaign, you get squeezed with stuff like that. What it's forced people to do, I think, is realise, oh, actually, those people that we thought were slightly boring and managerial were right. And it is hard and it is difficult. And <laughs> yeah. also, it's forced those people to defend those values as passionately as the people on the extremes did. Because being... A Blairite or being a, whatever the Tory equivalent is that's, you know, a moderniser yep. isn't just, the biggest problem that has evolved, particularly in the Labour Party, is that the, the new Labour wing was seen as compromise for the sake. So compromise to win rather than actually that is stuff I actually really truly believe in heart and soul. So people go, oh, well, you've got to say that to get in. And therefore it was always kind of it didn't have the moral underpinning. Despite the fact, you know, Tony Blair absolutely believes the stuff he comes out with, right? He is as he is as convinced of his view as Jeremy Corbyn is, as Dennis Skinner was, is or, or, or Tony Benn was. Yet that is seen as oh, it's kind of half baked. It's kind of halfway. Yep. So it's forcing that blob of people, including the public, to defend that point on the political compass with the with the same passion that the people the obsessives to the to the either side of them are and that is a really good thing because then centre left politics or centre right politics will speak its name in terms that people can understand and can emotionally get with this idea you know I understand why Corbyn moves people emotionally I understand why the SNP do I understand why you could I get all the stuff that they do that appeals to the heart I also find, I don't think it's that hard to appeal to people's heart around the centre to say, we need to defend our country, we need to face up to our international obligations, and we don't walk by on the other side of the road when Assad and Putin are doing what they're doing to the people of Syria. That's an emotional argument. To, to define what British values are, to look after our sick, to redistribute wealth, to give people opportunity in, in sinker states, to not allow people to live in communities where they're crippled by crime. Those are really emotional. I feel myself getting emotional thinking of the street I grew up on and the people that it would help. But that that set of values was seen as kind of wet yep. or crap or not a value in itself. So hopefully that will... I think that the emotion now will bleed into centre-left, centre-right politics in a way... I actually think Tony Blair was very good at being an emotional politician, but I think maybe not... That, that, that area is not seen as highly emotional, but I think it will do now. So they sort of have to up their game, if you like. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a good thing. And, and don't forget, whatever you think of the new Labour era, the reason why... If you disagree with it, fine. But I think a lot of... I think fair-minded people wouldn't dispute the talent. That Tony Blair was a highly talented leader. That Gordon Brown was a highly talented chancellor. Yep. That David Blunkett, Mo Molum, Robin Cook. You look... You compare that government to anything that has followed... And it is streets ahead. And part of the reason was, and Tony Blair says this himself, they had a long time in opposition. They were, you know, that was a long promotion coming. And they had to do all those years of hard thinking, all those years of training, so that when government did come, they were so capable. It's the Beatles in Hamburg. (laughs) (laughs) The Beatles. (laughs) Yeah, the Beatles. 
They've yeah. done the hard yards in Hamburg. Yeah. So that when Ed Sullivan said, lads, <laughs> yeah. you're on, they were good to go. They were ready. And they'd done all the hard thinking. They'd lost so many arguments. They'd won a few. You know, they'd they'd seen Labour rejected time and time and time again. They'd had to do the really hard thinking. So by the time Tony Blair takes office, the Labour Party had hauled itself into this professional... You know, it's still elements of it that weren't, but nevertheless, it, <laughs> it, it, it forced itself into this position where its where its 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 cabinet level talent was exceptional, really high quality individuals. John Reid, Alan Johnson, like think of the these people are just so much better than anything that's followed. There are a few exceptions, but that that's what gives you hope is that now the people that were kind of okay a few years ago are now becoming exceptional because of this. they are being tested by these severe conditions and they will improve. And you've already seen, I think, Yvette Cooper, I always liked her, I think she is ten times the politician she was five years ago. Yep. I think Chuck Ramuni is ten times the politician he was five years ago. I think these people are improving rapidly. Uh, and it's brilliant. Keir Starmer's only been around a few years. He's already better than he was three years ago. And this is a really exciting thing. One of the reasons I love you is because you talk about politicians in the way that I would talk about the great Milan side. <laughs> you know the era when Cafu played and you could yeah, name yeah, it 1-11, yeah. to 11, yeah. but you're doing, you're, doing, you're doing that with... Well that, well, that actually takes us beautifully into what's happened with the independent group and what we'd talked about. Yeah, yeah. Now that is a bit of a... That's a political supergroup, is it not? Yeah, yeah, it is. And it's, it's, it's part of, it, at least... I think what's really exciting about the independent group or Change UK as they're now applying to be called is that for a long time I think it's really frustrating when the public know that politics is broken and go well the the parties have clearly split why isn't it actually being reflected in an action why aren't people actually going and you always hear these threats and even me and I know a lot of the people involved in it you see people on telly going oh I'm not sure I can stand the Labour Party anymore you're like well then what are you waiting for and you always fear... That's so true. It's never going to happen. Because once it happened, you were like... I mean, my reaction, once yeah. it happened was, oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> you know what I mean? Of course. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why would you not yeah. do that? Of course. <laughs> staring us all in the face yeah. and none of us had ever done anything about it. So that felt, that day, when they were all announcing... Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was so exciting, wasn't it? I, mean, oh, it was, I loved it. It was exhilarating. Yeah, I was watching it on the iPlayer on my phone on a train up north. We, I think we were texting each other yeah, at the time. It was... <laughs> Brilliant. Sure. And I felt very emotional. I left the Labour Party a few years ago, and I think it always sounds weird to the public when people are kind of emotional about political parties, but I understand what makes people tick who join political parties. They want the world to be a particular way. They think it's not fair, or they think, you know, values are at stake. And you, you, so much of what you believe about the world is then funneled through that. So that becomes your kind of hobby. It becomes the way you want the world to be. So many friendships are caught up in it. You yeah, become so emotionally right. invested in this thing. So to leave it, it, it feels it's a, it is an emotional decision as well as a rational one. So I felt for the people leaving, but I was just delighted that they did for them because so many of them had had, I mean, in Luciana Burgess case, racist abuse. Sure. You can't, no one should have expected us to stay. No. And indeed, if... What I slightly don't get is Labour MP saying, oh yeah, you know, Luciana's had this awful anti-racist abuse. Well, why aren't you leaving in solidarity? If you know it's been that bad... Because as you come up like puffing out, puffing out your cheeks and shrugging, it's yeah. like, a, yeah. what, what are they like? I mean, equally, I, I know a lot of Labour MPs that have stayed who still believe that somehow the party can be rescued and um, that that's still the best way to do it. But I, I kind of it feels like the point has been reached, really. Where 
But again, so a lot of a lot of listeners, regardless of whether you're conservative, uh, Labour, you know, wh- whatever your allegiance, there is a there is a chance you have got disillusioned with where your party's heading. Yeah. That I know. I don't like it bringing it back to hope, but I, I like I like the theme that we found. <laughs> But again, that that brings hope that there might be a new party to. Yeah, and to be fair, Jeremy Corbyn gives a lot of people hope. So he I mean, he unquestionably does. Do, depending yeah, on where sure. your politics are, he he has definitely given millions of people hope. There is no question about that. Uh, and I don't. Um, I think they're wrong to be hopeful for him, but I understand why. The world's unfair. We've had nine years of a Tory government. If you're left wing, it's been hell. Um, if you care about. Um, Inequality. It's not been the best nine years. So I totally get why people want a left-wing government, but there are certain things that come with Corbynism and with him specifically that fundamentally undermine it for me. His foreign policies, relationship yep. with Russia, his attitude towards NATO, uh, the company that he's kept, the things that he said about people in the past, um, and, and obviously the Jewish community has specific concerns around that. So I think that undermines it. But I get why people just want the Tories out. Um, but... I think what a lot of people are coming to the conclusion of is they're basically both as bad as each other. Sure. And we're being forced to... And what have you, I say this to people as well is we should always, as a society, want the very best person to lead us. Like in any job, you should want meritocracy. The Prime Minister really should be the most capable leader as a country we can find. And we are not being given that choice. We are giving, being currently a choice between Theresa May and Jeremy Corbyn I don't think there is anyone alive, really, who thinks that that is a great choice. That either one of them is the best of the best. And that is a problem. We are a nation, not a social club. And we're not just any old nation. We're the fifth largest economy in the world. We're a nuclear power. We face up to our international responsibilities on the whole. We are significant globally. And at this point, at the most crucial point since the Second World War, we've got the worst choice possible. What is it's perverse in that regard? So I mean, I wish to—I don't want to upset anyone who is uh, conservative when I say this, but you shouldn't have a prime minister. And I'm trying to be as balanced as possible when I yeah. say this. You because sh- I felt I actually felt the same about Gordon Brown. Yeah. You shouldn't have a prime minister where you feel a bit sorry for them. Yes, yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's where people. I think some people feel sorry for. It. I mean, the thing is with Theresa May is even the Tories don't want her. The Tories don't really want her, and yet the public still have to put up with it. I think a lot of people would feel this about Theresa May. She's definitely worked very hard. I mean, I want to put an arm around her. She voted Remain. You're right. You know, <laughs> she's but she's made crucial mistakes. She should have involved other parties earlier. Yeah. Um, but I, I I can understand how she's got herself into the situation she's got herself into. Um, but she's just not good enough to be Prime Minister. And that's always been true. Um with Gordon Brown, he was good enough for a while, and his his time maybe. Although actually, in retrospect, you know, he, he took such a, an important decision in the wake of the financial crisis that history will judge him a bit better, I think. But Theresa May's never been good enough to be prime minister. Jeremy Corbyn has never been good enough to be leader of the Labour Party. Who would your fantasy pick be next prime minister, regardless of party? Oh, I'd love Hillary Benn. I think Hillary Benn has a. I think Hillary Benn understands, and he's a, you know he's a centre left guy, obviously from strong left-wing stock. But I think his... I love his instincts. I think his instincts are to unify. He's calm. He's rational. uh, He's sensible. He's emotional. He's highly intelligent. And his speech on Syria was one of the great Labour moments, really, of the last 10 years, where 
the danger is with particularly with you know military intervention is the way I think large swathes of the public see it is if you think we should intervene then you're kind of a bloodthirsty hawk and if you don't then you're this morally superior dove <laughs> who you know just doesn't want anyone to suffer the reality is people suffer hugely as a result of inaction as well and look at what's happened in Syria as a result of Britain not getting involved it's been the best incubator ISIS could have had and anyway morally I'm not comfortable with knowing we have the capability to stop Assad slaughtering his own people and just going oh well because of Iraq we can't get involved in this I think that's learning the wrong lessons of Iraq the lessons to be learned from Iraq are almost entirely about security about intelligence gathering and what and the balance of risk it's almost entirely about intelligence gathering and planning and not that we don't get involved for moral issues. And also, I think one of the lessons about Iraq is make the case, not necessarily on weapons of mass destruction, which obviously people genuinely thought he had, but it, it, you know, in future, that shouldn't hobble us from, from facing up to our international responsibilities. Um, so his speech that was left-wing, yep. that was moral, was about facing up to Britain's international responsibilities and not walking by on the other side of the road. And that is the sort of leader I believe in I, you know there are people out there and you, you obviously saw them in the Republican Party who do have that kind of gung-ho attitude towards war where they they seem to relish it I don't think that's true of the Labour Party um, when it comes to the people who support intervention I think they do it with a heavy heart as a last resort to try and improve the world and stop suffering as you would cross the road if you saw someone getting mugged so um, if you've got the guts <laughs> So I'm not sure. I'd definitely phone the police, depending on the numbers of attackers and you know, whatever else. You know? And I say that as someone who's been mugged numerous times. Oh, 40. Oh, yeah. It just happens, doesn't it? To me. Um, I regret crossing over the road. Yeah, sorry. I thought that was you. But yes, so Hillary Benn, for those reasons, is that no one doubts his left-wing credentials. No, no one should, more to the point. And yet, he also has good patriotic centre-left values. We'll take a pause there. Yeah. We've got to keep the lights break. on with a sweet, sweet ad break. And we'll come back with uh, the maestro, Matt Ford. Isn't it? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
It's an education, by the way. If one of my, <laughs> if 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 I was going to say when I was a child, but the, I'm I'm forty and it still applies. You look amazing for forty. Thanks very much. I can't, but I always think you're younger than me. I just think you've got such a fresh face. Uh, I mean, I'm, so much energy. A lot of energy. But anyway, if one of my favourite impressionists was being now, I know you're not. An, I know you, as you say, you're not an impressionist. Oh no, I am a bit. Of but an impressionist. if no, but you know, but if say, let's say Bill Hader uh, was being interviewed, I would watch that interview and I'd think. God, I hope Bill Hader bangs an impression out. Or, oh, if, I, or yeah. if I was a kid and it was Les Dennis, yeah. I'd think, God, I hope Les bangs an impression. Oh know. man! So, uh, pressure. What's your What's your favourite one to do? Oh, Trump. Is it really? Yeah, yeah. Trump's my favourite. Why? What did you think I was going to say? I d- I, I'm surprised it was Trump because to me that's like saying to the Eagles, "What's your favourite song to perform?" Yeah. and them going, "Hotel California." Because yeah. I'd have expected. There's a B-side on... Uh, oh, no. So it's not, it's not like a random... No, and actually, maybe that you, you, that analogy is a very good one because... The Eagles bloody love Hotel California. Well, not just that, but, you know, the bands that I like, I like all their biggest hits, you know, and the occasional... We talked about this at length Oasis, before, haven't we? Back in anger we love listening to the yeah, hits. that's my favourite song. I've listened to all their songs. I listen to their B-side. See, mine's Acquiesce. Great song. But Which is a B-side. Yeah, and a, and a, well, a, a rare duet. Well, tell you what, then... Of your B-sides, which is your favourite? Uh, in this vein. Um, oh, let me just have a think now, because I, I always, after these sorts of things, think, oh, I should have said that. So I run a comedy night, and for, there was one night Fordy came down and did some impressions that he wouldn't normally do. Okay. And it, they were non-political. So he did yeah, Liam yeah, yeah. and Noel. Because yeah, as you Liam say, the thing with Liam and Noel is yeah. the the go-to impression is, yeah, I'm mad Fordy, I'm from yeah, Manchester. Yeah, yeah. And that is obviously not how they... No, that's right. So uh, th- those two are, so, you know, Noel... I think it's it's that I've watched so much of them that then sure. you get their ticks and, and he does that which obviously won't work on the audio form but he touches that particular part of his face near the bottom in between his mouth and his chin yeah I'm doing it now he looks up a lot you know and he will start an answer you know looking up to the gods you know and then return eye contact at the end of it you know and what he's very good at is distilling huge achievements into making them sound very small so you go you know all I know is like I picked up a guitar right and I wrote Live Forever in two minutes, right? And Live Forever is a four-minute song, you know. So I ask you, you know, what is all that about? You'll say that a lot. But, you know, you do that thing. That's that thing so good. You'll do things like, you know, we're just five blokes off a council estate, right? I picked up a guitar a year later with the biggest band in the world, you know what I mean? And it just makes it sound. so good. I love all that sort yeah. of stuff. I love the way he tells his own story. Liam is, yeah, I'm on nervous I don't know, mate. I just want to go out and have it. A lot of open mouth. Uh, I should have got that. The that, coffee has rendered it. My fa- one of my favourites. That bit on the do. documentary where it says something like S Club Juniors. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah that's they're, they're having it. Yeah, good kids, you know. What I mean? Good kids. Yeah. I take care of him. Yeah. There's something. <laughs> the, in fact, the one I like to do the most, probably just for the way it sounds, is Jim White from Sky Sports News. Oh yes. It's transferring deadline dear. James Gill from ABC Comedy is going to balance magazine. And you just you have to say words that wouldn't be emphasized as Jim. So you have to say sound constantly surprised. So what time is it now? You know, it's it's half past eight in the morning and I'm having cereal and toast. <laughs> and you just you kinda of do the constant, you know. It's eight thirty-five. You know, just you you overemphasize different words. You make it all sound like it's a surprise, and that's. I just think he's got a really nice voice as well. I love doing Scottish and uh, Celtic. 
very lyrical uh, impressions to do. One of the absolute greats. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you can see him live on the 25th of May. 25th of May, Bloomsbury Theatre. Bloomsbury Theatre in London. Huge thanks to uh, to the wonderful Matt Ford, who you can see live at the Bloomsbury. I'll say this about Matt Ford. He's a tremendous comedian and entertainer who also does impressions, so he would throttle me if I said that he was an impressionist. It, ju- it just so happens that he's very funny and can do brilliant impressions. What's his best impression, James, that you've heard? His most famous one is Donald Trump. So any show he gets in- invited onto... They're, pr- they're practically begging him. He's Donald Trump. He's so good that I think other impressionists are doing an impression of Matt Ford's impression of Donald Trump, genuinely. Um, but then he also does some... When you see him live, he does these non-political ones. So I've got a real soft spot. He does the two Gallagher brothers, which I personally love, but I, d- I don't think he does them in the bigger arenas. But, I mean, he's, he's Boris Johnson. He's Ed Miliband. They are... Honestly, extraordinary. So anyway, waffling terribly, but but Matt was just just wonderful company and someone I, I, I love a great deal. Now, I'm here with Sophie Scott. I've said it before, pure Joanna Lumley. So for sales, <laughs> for sales inquiries, uh, personally, if I was advertising, I'd want Sophie Scott. That is a voice you can trust. So it's sales... <laughs> Sales at balance.media. Sales at balance.media. Um, one thing I did want to mention is that I, just very fleetingly, but as someone who has the hairline of someone who overthinks things, obviously we are balance and we, we are in the middle of what you would call a sausage fest in terms of male guests. James, goodness. Sorry, it's a family podcast, but it, it does need saying. So um, it's not been for the lack of people pulling out at short notice but I just wanted to explain why we're in, in quite a run of uh, why it's quite a men heavy run for a title that's called Balance so I, I hope you understand I think I've overthought that but I just, I just wanted to throw that out I there. think you have and, and you know we've got some fantastic female guests um, who I won't divulge right now coming up on the show so I don't think anyone's complaining can I put you on the spot mm. would you ever be a guest I would love to be a guest because I think that be, that would be that would be a brilliant episode. Well, let's see if the readers agree or the audience agree. Yes. Let's see if the audience agree. Podcast at balance.media. By the way, the the messages I got for the Chris Akabusi episode, oh. it's the most it's the most messages we've had so far, and also the most heartfelt and emotional messages. So people getting in touch to say. I'm going to cry myself, <laughs> but the messages that that they've shared in terms of getting very emotional when <coughs> come on. The way Chris tells the story about being on the train as a little boy, I know that touched um, a lot of people because he was so matter of fact about it and speaks about himself as such a look. Oh God, he speaks about himself as such a lucky person despite going through such hardships. That I I know a lot of people found that inspiring. So keep the keep the correspondence coming in because it will keep me crying, and that's a good thing to be in touch with my emotions. So podcast at uh, balance. Dot media, uh, Sophie. Before we go, anything at all that you you would like to flag? No, I just think um, I'm touched by that. I, once again, proves the power of gratitude. Actually, um, and it can be really hard to feel um, lucky or grateful when you know day to day things may not be exactly where you want them to be. You may not be exactly in the place that you want to be in. Um, but it is a reminder that actually, even in the crappiest day. <laughs> There is always something to be grateful for. Um, 
even if it is just you know that delicious latte that you had this morning or you know someone that you said hi to at the corner shop or whatever it's it's a great reminder um i thought that was a terrific interview james i i also think bless you thank you very much i also think uh Something that Jasmine Helmsley said that stayed with me as well in terms of energy vampires, because we all know a lot of people who think they're going through hardships, whereas in actual fact, they're not. They have an amazing life. Do, do you think, we're friends now, yeah. should you should one in life, is it healthy to point out to someone that you think they might be a, an energy vampire, or is, or is that, is it too tricky? Um, I think it depends on the context of the relationship and how close you are. I, I mean, I'm a big believer in when you, um, when there's trust and you know love and, and genuine feelings between two people that you should be able to be honest with them. But obviously, sure. there's a way of delivering such a thing. I mean, I know myself, you know, suffering with anxiety and stress. It's not. It's just that one can f- quite easily focus on what's destabilizing or what you know isn't quite going perfectly as opposed to focusing on all of the good things um, you are the opposite of an energy vampire bless you but you're I an know energy I'm a hand dryer <laughs> something that gives <laughs> off something uh are you, are you a stress head oh yeah how does it manifest itself well interesting apart from throwing a stapler at me <laughs> well interestingly enough you know the feedback that i get is that i don't um, come across as very stressed or very no. anxious, but it's often what's going on inside. So um, the swan, I've, that is meant to be my spirit animal. James. Is it really? It is. How do I find out what mine is? How do we, the listener, find out what us? Well, is we it a website? Could, we, I wish it was that simple. <laughs> uh, we might do a quiz <laughs> in the magazine. Who knows? That's a that's a um, great chat. We should do a, yeah. do a quiz actually. But no, um, if you really want to kind of embark on this, I would recommend a kind of a shamanic journey. So working with a shaman, um, exploring you know your spirit animal through visualization. But I am now very great. keen to not um, kind of alienate our audience um, with woo woo stuff. So. Um, yeah, but if you are interested, then perhaps we'll do something very soon on that. Get in touch and if you want to hear more about spirit animals. <laughs> I, I personally do. I go to woo-woo. I, I, I absolutely acknowledge that. Um, Sophie, as always, thank you from the, the bottom of my heart. It's always lovely to My pleasure. I hope you. I can spend more time with you in the future. Namaste. <laughs> Namaste. Yes! <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.